It is so good to be with you. It is such a humbling honor to be with you, to hear the warmth, and the love, the joy that you have in the Crook family and Scott's pastoral care. I do not take lightly what this Sunday represents for you, Cross of Grace Church. So I come bearing greetings and, and welcome from, first, my own family, uh, my wife, Robin, uh, who would have loved to be here today, um, and my three children, Tegan, Leadon, and Killian, 14, 12, and eight years old. Um, and more importantly, from Cross Point Church in Arnold, Maryland, we are we are your brothers and sisters. We love you dearly, and we are so humbled to be in partnership with you. But I only have seven hours, so I need to get to the message. Um, so uh, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 1. You can, look, uh, you can open your, uh, your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. As you're doing that, on 16 February, the 16th of February, 1943, six Norwegian special agents clandestinely dropped into a rugged forest near Vemork, if I'm saying that correctly, in Norway. They joined five more agents to form what was known as the Gunnerside team. Their target was a hydroelectric plant where Nazis produced something called heavy water, uh, which was, uh, without getting into all the chemistry of it, because I don't really understand it all that well. Uh, it was used to control atomic reactions. This was how the Nazis were going about their atomic research to create an atomic bomb. And the Nazis were very close to possessing an atomic bomb. And this plant, this hydroelectric plant, was key. Then on the 28th of February, the team stealthily navigated their way to the plant. And each man had a job to do. And they did their job with precision and stealth. And, and they, they made their way into this plant and planted explosives and then made their escape, not losing a single man from the mission. And they destroyed over 1,000 pounds of heavy water. Here's a picture of the team. After eight, eight of the members of the team, after they, they made their way back to England, where they took refuge for uh, a portion of time. Now, Understand this, if the Nazis had developed the atom bomb first, they would have at least dominated Europe. So Gunnerside, this mission, set the Nazis well behind the Americans in the race to atomic weapons. This mission was impossible as a solo effort. It required a team. But you know, they weren't just a team of soldiers assembled. They were they were friends. They were ones who cared deeply for each other, and they shared a passion to protect their country and really all of Europe and the world. This illustrates a truth. So often, a mission's success depends on the strength of the partnership of those involved. And Paul 
knew this well, as Josh was just highlighting. It's the emphasis of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, which is the text we'll be looking at today. Paul writes to them, this church that he loves, that he cares so deeply for, to strengthen them in their unity and to focus them on the gospel mission, the center of what they are about as a local church, and to build their confidence in the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ. This sermon is entitled Gospel Partnership, and this text invites us to join God's glorious and certain mission by partnering together. God's glorious mission is to see the gospel reach and redeem the lost. And we're both beneficiaries and partners in this glorious mission. This means that this mission, the call that we have, This is not a mission reserved for the elite, sort of special forces Christians who move all over the world. No, it's for you and it's for me, for little churches in Arnold, Maryland, and Chaska, Minnesota, and all over the globe. We all are part of this team. We all play a part, and we aren't renegades. We're partners directed by God and joined together for his glory. So, church, let's join God's glorious and certain mission by partnering together. Let's read and pray God's holy and infallible word as he, by his spirit, seeks to lead us today. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of Scripture. Hear now the word of the Lord. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray together. Our Lord God, our gracious Heavenly Father, Spirit, you are present here to not just make Christ known, but to join us more intimately with him to the glory of the Father. And one of the great gifts you've given us in in walking out that joining process, that, that deepening of that joining process is to be on mission to be on your mission, to be joined to your mission, to not be sidelined, to not be sitting back and watching, but to be 
actively engaged with the certainty of the risen Christ reigning over and guaranteeing the success of the mission that you call us to. So Lord, we come to you humbly, broken, open-handed, saying, yet not I, but through, but through Christ in me. Lord, have your way among us as your people and receive all glory and honor, we pray, as we join you in bringing your name, your glory into the light so that all may see and may turn and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, just a little bit of background. Paul first visited Philippi in probably around 51 AD. It was his second missionary journey uh, when he, he came through this area. And uh, when he went through Philippi, he, he preached the gospel and the first European church was born. It was born with early converts like Lydia and Epaphrodites, who Josh mentioned earlier. And he also stayed in Philippi again later on his third journey. And, and that was about three to five years later. Now, at the writing of this book, it's about 62 AD. And Paul is in a Roman prison facing the reality that he will die at Caesar's hand. And he carries the Philippians on his heart. His greeting in verses one and two, it's, it's intentional. It's a somewhat standard greeting, and yet it's, it's intentional. There, there are clues to how he feels and what he's seeking to do in this letter. He begins, Paul and Timothy. See, Paul's not a one-man show. He, he's, he sees himself as a gospel partner. And he also sees himself as a servant. We see that right there in this, these first two verses as well. A servant, a bondservant which means Paul and Timothy are bound to authority, the authority of another one, namely Christ Jesus, he says. Paul's focus in this letter is then on all of the saints. He's, he's, not, he's not writing just to leaders. He does include the leaders, the deacons and the overseers, but he understands himself first as a sheep, not as a shepherd, as Nate said. A shepherd is his secondary role to being a sheep of the Lord. He, he, in other words, sees himself in unity and he sees all the leaders as in unity with all of the sheep under the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this letter is to the one church all unified together in the mission of God. So what follows concerns the entirety of God's people. In other words, this letter is church focused. It's not leader centric. And in the greeting, we're meant to see that our mission is shared and we are led by Christ. As that great theological treatise, High School Musical says, we are all in this together. I have teenage girls, what can I say? <laughs> Moving to verse three, Paul gives thanks for them. Now, he gives thanks, but he's not just being sentimental. This is not just Paul kind of like sitting back in his easy chair, weeping, pining for the days of, of yore. No, he, he's not just being sentimental. He, he's re reminding of something, that there, in life there are these cords that tie us together. I mean, we've already heard of that today as, as Scott was being honored and we were seeing pictures of how life is just tied together in relationship. We have history together. We have memories of our integration by God's doing. 
Cross of Grace, you have this, right? You, you remember outreaches and conversations after church or at small group. You remember meals together. Today is a memory-creating sort of day, and I am looking forward to the meal together, I have to say. You remember walking through family tragedies, triumphs, and adoptions, transitions, baptisms, weddings, funerals, graduations, The local church is an intensely interwoven reality. Being in gospel partnership means our lives are sewn together. And as Paul prays, his prayers are shaped by their shared past. But notice something in verse 4 that this shared past is not some sort of insulated, insulated local church bubble reality. No, no, Paul is praying for them. He's praying for their well-being as a joyful investment in them, and he's doing this from a distance. He's praying fervently while he is away from them. See, being joined together doesn't necessarily mean always being joined in physical proximity. He, he knows them as his own. They're his people. They are, verse 5 says, his partners. They are intertwined. They are locked at the hip, even though separated by many miles. The term that we use for this is, in, in theological circles, is interdependence. Um, and that word will come up a couple times throughout this sermon. They are interdependent. They are interwoven. They are they are locked together. So from Paul's first day in Philippi until he pens this letter, these cords of gospel relationship drew them together. And everything that Paul goes through, they go through. Do you know this is how Cross Point Church feels about Cross of Grace Church? How we feel about you as, as a representative of Cross Point Church? I, I want you to know that, that we feel connected to you, even though they can't picture your faces and you can't picture their faces. There is, an, there is a love that exists for you already. We are so grateful for Scott and Angela and the kids to, to come to us. And we know how this is impacting you. And our hearts are being poured out for you. As you walk through this season, we are, we are with you and we are praying for you. You are our people and we feel connected to you. Now look at verse six. Having looked back to their shared history, Paul then does something. He directs their attention forward in confidence. Confidence of a certain future. What God started, God will complete. You know, this verse so often, it's kind of like taken to be used as uh, sort of just minimized to individuals, focused on us as people. For example, we might see a, graduation card. Hey, Timmy, God made you good at math. You're going to do well in university. What God started in you, he will complete. Well, that is secondarily true. That, that has a, a degree of truth in its application. But the primary application, the reason that Paul's writing this that we can see in the context here is that Paul has in view the corporate nature of how God completes what he starts in local churches. God 
brings to completion the mission of local churches. You, Philippi, God will complete what he started in you. Cross of Grace Church, God will complete what he started in you. Cross Point Church, God will complete what he started in you. You can be confident of your future because the Lord Jesus Christ reigns over your local church and he cares more for your church than you can care for your local church. You will never lack anything when Jesus Christ is at the center of your body. You will continue to bear fruit up to and to the day of Jesus Christ. See, we're meant to read this verse and look at all of the past evidence of God at work to see how God carried us through trials and granted us triumphs. And cross of grace, that's true for you too. When you see what God has done in your life and in your church family, through Scott and through Nate and through Josh and through other leaders and through you and in your care groups and in your relational life together, through the children of this church, through the adults of the church, through those who have gone on and passed away from this life, God has been at work. He has done great and mighty things. And that should embolden us that God will continue to do great and mighty things. God has this church in the palm of his hands and he cares for it. And the, the future of this church is certain. It will bear fruit. See, that's the truth of us as individuals. That's the truth of us as churches. We are placed into churches by King Jesus himself. He joins us to a church in which we develop and enjoy these deep relationships. And those cords extend to brothers and sisters all over the world. See, the, the success of the global mission depends on the health of the partnerships within local churches. The love we share for one another is how the gospel goes to the ends of the, the earth. It's the fuel God has that purpose in mind. God is bringing glory to himself through the church, including local churches. And this mission isn't up for grabs. It's a certainty. The mission cannot, it will not fail. God will bring to completion what he began in Philippi, in Chaska, in Arnold. Paul feels so strongly about this. He says that in verse seven. He says, you share my life and I share yours. In other words, we are interdependent. There's that word again. We feed on the same gospel grace. And he reminds them how they sustained and stood with him. You know, this wasn't a small thing. For us, we might not think about it in these terms, but for, for, for Paul and for the, the people in Philippi, non-Christians in, in the city would be looking at them like, what kind of dude are you associated with? I mean, your homeboy, like he's in Rome, he's in jail, and that's your guy? You're associated with him? What kind of little thing are you doing over there? Paul's imprisonment would have brought scorn against them. And Paul doesn't forget they were loyal to stand with him. He, he uses that phrase that they were partakers of grace with me, meaning what happened to me happened to you and vice versa. You felt my bondage and the scorn that was brought against me and you gladly stood with me in those times. 
So when Paul comes to Philippi, he, he understands that when he came and he, he, he came to Philippi and he preached the gospel, he saw people saved from sin and death. Then this same Paul, when he was in need, those who were once far off are now from the church in Philippi, strengthening the one who first shared the gospel of grace with them. By willingly and joyfully bearing the burdens of Paul while standing before the Roman tribunal, Paul standing before the Roman tribunal, they are bolstering the one who first bolstered him. Paul successfully preaches the powerful testimony of the gospel and defends Christ before the authorities of Rome because through the support of the Philippian church. In other words, Rome, the great, most powerful, most influential city in the whole of the world is receiving the gospel through Paul's partnership with Philippi. How glorious is that to consider? Gospel partnership extends so much farther than the natural eye can see. And look how this occurs. Verses eight and nine. Paul's affection from them springs from the unstoppable geyser of the love of Jesus Christ. His prayer is that the wellspring of love from which Paul himself draws will abound more and more in them so that they keep bearing fruit. They are one with Paul and Paul with them. But this is no mere human bonds. This is all through Jesus. So the cord that binds us together inside local churches, the love that you have for one another, it's made of the same stuff as Christ's own love towards us. That's the economy of the gospel. Jesus' love for us becomes the, the fuel, the mission, the, 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 the way in which we love others. Paul's point is that Jesus, in his love, and his saving grace is forming a network of shared relationship that mutually nourishes one another and fuels us to go towards those who are lost. And this is all Christ's doing. It's also that the purposes of glory would go forward. And as such, verses 9 and 11, Paul encourages them to move forward in abundant love, love that is knowledgeable, discerning, well-focused. He commends them to live lives that thoughtfully consider what is right, what is excellent, so that they would be blameless, that their church community would be filled with righteousness before God, to be judged on the final day, and, and therefore to be approved of when they stand before God, all to the praise and glory of God. Paul is confident that God will, verse 6, bring that reality to completion. But you know, he does do something here. He instructs them to move wisely, invest wisely, live wisely, build in pure and holy ways with the expectation that how we build will in the end be judged. This is one of the reasons I'm so thankful for our family of churches, Sovereign Grace. You know, we're not just a collection of random churches under some sort of distant trademark logo. We are gospel partners. We share life together. We share values. We share a commitment to seeing the gospel go forward, to building strong local churches. 
We're not just together for pragmatic reasons. We're connected at the heart. Cross Point Church in Arnold, Maryland, and Cross of Grace Church, we are sister churches by the bond of Christ's own love for us. And this compels us to build in wise and discerning ways. It compels us to, to seek the guidance of God, you know, to, to build upon these shared values of biblical non-negotiables, things like preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful to hear the testimony over and over again uh, that was so appreciated about Scott's ministry is that he was preaching unashamedly and immovably the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how strong local churches are built, by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a non-negotiable with humble servant leaders, not lording it over, but, but supporting, coming underneath the people and carrying them with the love of Jesus Christ, building pure and holy churches with servants who are committed to building in relationship. You know, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, not at all, but we are committed to being spirit-led and not self-promoting. That means that we are open-handed and open-hearted in our partnerships. And our mission is an extension of that reality. As we seek to move forward together, we do so in love so that those who are far off would be brought near for his glory. We're not looking to bring people into our trademark logo. We're looking to highlight the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that has won our own hearts. This is my family's story. It's your shared story too. So, What's going on with the O'Mara family? Well, in July, my family is going to relocate to Italy to plant Sovereign Grace churches there. One of my friends, when he heard this, he said, church planting sounds more like you're going on vacation. <laughs> I get it. I get it. When people hear Italy, you think of like this beautiful historic country where pizza and gelato just sort of rain from the sky and people sit on these pristine beaches and sip wine with these gorgeous vistas with their, with their lover and so on and so forth. Well, listen, I'm going to have my fair share of pizza. I am not going to lie to you about that at all. I love pizza. I love gelato. Pray for my, um, my weight control. But our focus in going is not vacationing. I can assure you that. Here's why. Italy is a country of about 60 million people, and it's dominated by Roman Catholic tradition. It is a country that is spiritually dark. It's also often forgotten by mission movements. You might be surprised to know that less than 1.5% of the country, and that's at best, that is a very generous figure, less than 1.5% of the country has any knowledge of the true gospel. So put that in real numbers. Well in excess of 59 million of the 60 million people are perishing and are hopeless with no access to gospel preaching churches. And there are very few gospel outposts throughout the country. Believers often have to travel significant distances to find a church. On top of that, the occult and Islam and secularism are all rising at 
rapid paces. And the country is mired in high taxes with low economic opportunities and high unemployment. So it's young are fleeing the country to find job opportunities in other parts of Europe. Yeah, Italy is a beautiful country, but life in Italy is difficult and the need is great. My family began to learn of this through a visit in 2016. And then after we returned, I studied the spiritual darkness of Italy during a seminary class that I was taking on intercultural church planning. And, and through that, a burden began to grow in, in me first to see God's church rise up and, and be a source of light in Italy. I have, uh, I'm Irish on my, my dad's side of the family and Italian on my mom's side of the family. And, and it, there was a, a sense of near and dearness uh, about seeing the gospel go forward in Italy. So over the past five and a half years, the Lord has moved that from how do we, how do we as a family, how do we as a local church contribute that to how do we as a family think about the Lord calling us to relocate to actually plant churches there. And this was something that my f- whole family, again, my wife and my, my three kids that I mentioned earlier, we, we, we prayed about it and we considered Lord, is there something you would have us to do? Who, who are we? Why would, why would you call us? So there was a, a thoughtful prayer process. But all the while, the Lord was preparing us to go. He was calling us to open our hands. Now, I can tell you this has been difficult for a few reasons. To pick up and to move to a new place where you aren't fluent in the language, especially when your children are at such formative ages, it, it's not a light decision. You don't go about this like, yeah, let's just take this adventure on and see how it turns out. Roll the dice, see what happens with the kids. No, it's, it's weighty. But the di- most difficult thing for us as a family was considering leaving Cross Point Church. We love our church. We only arrived there eight and a half years ago. And at this point, we're only talking four years after having arrived there when the Lord began to place this on our heart. Through partnership with Sovereign Grace Churches, we've seen by the grace of God, that church grow strong and be healthy and be like this church, interconnected with loving relationships and committed to seeing the gospel go forward. We expected that we would be at Cross Point Church until we retired, and we would be very content for that. But along the way, we could not shake the burden to see the gospel made known in Italy. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth so much more than anything else in this life. So much more. It is Jesus is the pearl of greatest price, not our comfort and ease. So we weighed what God was calling us to do and we prayed that the Lord would clarify our path. And he did. God is so gracious when you open your hands to clarify your path. He did so in a number of ways that have strengthened our faith to go. I just wanna, there are many, but I just wanna highlight two. This was not a process or a decision that we walked alone. This is something that is commended and supported and shaped by the gospel partners that God has given us. See, partnership is not just something we read about in Philippians 1, 1 through 11. It is something to be walked out. And we walked it out. And we were beneficiaries of walking that out. Every step we took, we took in community. Community with our elders. Community with our regional sovereign grace pastors in the mid-Atlantic region where our church is part of. And I'm so grateful for the care of our elder team along the way and the regional elders who walked with us. We feel the benefit of partnership. 
Secondly, and most importantly, and how it impacts you, is we couldn't and we would not leave Cross Point Church without a pastor. I, I said to our elders early on in this process, this is what we believe the Lord might be calling us to consider. We're putting it before you for input, for consideration. And if, if we as an elder team say no, if you as an elder team say no, we don't think this is it, that's the end of the matter. We stay here. This church cannot be without a pastor. So we submitted it to the Lord. And along the process, the Lord moved on Scott's heart and the elders here. Uh, you need to know this. There were no sales, there's no sales job. There was no arm twisting. There's just a lot of prayer and discernment from both our elder team and your elder team. And we saw the spirit guide and lead as he saw fit. You needed to know this as well. Your elders are men to be commended. They did the hardest thing that we as elders have to do in our call to be pastors. The hardest thing to do is to open our hands and be willing to sacrifice. And they did it. And they are admirable men. So the crooks are going to re relocate. Scott is going to lead Cross Point Church as my family transitions to Italy. And for that to happen, required that, the God, that God would again provide for Cross of Grace Church. Again, God moved. He moved on Nate, who selflessly opened his hands to the, to the will of the Lord to be willing to step into the lead role. And, and again, I could not be more grateful to God and to the elders and to you, Cross of Grace Church, for how you willingly opened your hands to the will of the Lord. So on behalf of Cross Point Church and my family, we are humbled, humbled by your sacrifice and by your willingness and your, your faith to follow the Lord so that Scott could be sent so that we could be sent. Do you hear what's going on here? This is Philippians 1, 1 through 11 in play. This is gospel partnership. This is who we are in Sovereign Grace Churches. We are gospel partners. My local church in Maryland is stronger through partnership with Sovereign Grace and through Cross of Grace Church. My family and my pastoring is stronger through partnership. Your church, your family is stronger through partnership. We are planting in Italy as partners and it could not happen without you. So if anything good happens through us, it will be first the Lord's doing, but it'll also because you are standing with us. Just as the Philippian church stood with Paul and he preached the gospel in Rome and Rome first heard of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, if anything good comes through us, it's coming through you as well. Praise the Lord for you and your faith. By the way, if you want to learn more about our plans or stay in contact with us, you can do so at our family website, which is just www.omeras.org. Have a nice little slide there. I want you to know this is not shameless self-promotion. Scott asked me to include this sl slide. So um, if you think it's shameless self-promotion, blame Scott. You got a couple more weeks to do so. Um, but please pray for us, if you would. We, we need your partnership. We need your prayers. But to extend this out, when, when we hear Sovereign Grace updates, for instance, from Italy or from Arnold, from Ethiopia or Alabama or anywhere else in the globe, 
does the gospel reach Alabama? I don't know. That's a good question. The Georgia, like in a week from now, the Georgia-Alabama game, I'm not sure we'll be praying for Alabama. But, but when you hear these updates, know that God is completing his work, and you have a part to play. The gospel is bearing fruit. So as we prepare to come to a close of this message, let me encourage you in a few ways, a few practical ways to put this into play. First, brothers and sisters, join the mission of God. Join by keep doing what you're doing. You are so generous and humbly open to the Lord's leading. You are not a church of renegades. You are not a selfish church. You need to be encouraged by this word from an outsider coming here and, and, and seeing what is going on in here. You are to be commended and you should be filled with faith and gratitude to the Lord for what he's doing in your midst. Keep doing what you are doing. You are bond servants of the Lord and the Lord is pleased as your love is abounding. I'm so thankful for your love for the crooks and, and for your love for your local church and your love for our church. It is clearly a supernatural thing that is going on. It is the love of Jesus. So keep on going. Keep on in partnership. I also want to encourage you in your partnership by commending you to your leaders. As Nate takes the lead role, support him and pray for him. Support and pray for Andrew and Josh and Nate together as a team as they seek to serve and lead with wisdom and discernment. I know they're going to do an amazing, great job leading this church. But one of the greatest gifts that we could give to them as pastors is to receive your prayers and your support in prayer for them. Join God's glorious mission by being fervent in prayer for them. I also want to encourage you to look forward in faith. What you're doing is bearing fruit already. By God's strength, you, Cross of Great Church, will continue to bear fruit as you abound in love for one another, for your brothers and sisters all across the globe. The success of a mission so often depends on the strength of partnership. And on the final day, we are going to give our offerings to Christ and the fruit of how we built, what Paul calls the fruit of righteousness, is from the work of Christ in us, going out through us, all to the praise and the glory of God. So in a real way, the test of our church's faithfulness, faithfulness to the gospel, is how we partner together. Cross of grace, keep partnering well. God is pleased in you, and he is gaining glory through your faithfulness. Let's pray together. Lord God, I'm so thankful for Cross of Great Church. I'm so thankful for this body that is gathered here, not simply to receive, but to give. To give to one another, to give back to you praise and honor and glory, and to give to the world that is so desperately dark and needy. Whether that's here in Minnesota or it's across the globe, this is a body that is committed to seeing your name honored. Lord, honor that. Cause that to be fruitful. 
Lord, strengthen this church. Strengthen them in the next one, three, five, ten years ahead to go and to do all that you're calling them to do for your glory, Lord, and strengthen them as a local church. Give them eyes of faith to see what you're calling them to do. Thank you, Lord, for how you're already doing that. I pray that you would only multiply your goodness to them in this season ahead, we pray. And we thank you for them. And we praise your glorious and holy name and the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has saved us and formed us as your people. We pray all these things to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.